Welcome to the Woohoo Crew podcast, where cosmic culture meets pop culture, where we discuss topics like astrology, numerology, the mind-body connection, as well as sports, music, and entertainment. I'm your host, Brandon. I'm joined by my co-host, my pseudo-guru, Cheryl. We are the Woohoo Crew. Hello, Cheryl, my pseudo-guru. Welcome to episode six. Let me start off the show as I do every episode by asking you, did you catch any woohoo this past week? Woohoo, Brandon. I did. I've been breathing with our woohoo song for Lisa Ruth created. Yeah. Yeah. And doesn't it bring you such rhythm in the morning to start off that way? It's, uh, yeah, it, I don't really know. I can't articulate it yet, but it's actually made, I know some kind of improvement in my mornings. Um, it's just a really, I don't know. It's a really cool way to start the morning. It kind of gets my, my head right. Yes. Yeah. And I noticed with the song, like for me, I'm able to release in the beginning. It helps release. And then as I progress through, it gives me the, the frequency to, for my aspirations and, and knowing that they can really be manifested throughout the day. That's cool. Well, uh, well done by Felicia. And if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, where can people hear that song if they haven't heard it yet? Well, they can go to our website because we'll have, I think we should put it on our website, don't you? On, on a woohoo, woohoo with three O's. Yeah. Three O's, three O's. Um, yeah. Okay. Com because um, then we can, they can breathe with it too. We'll, we'll, let's put a place for them to breathe with that because she doesn't have it out yet on any of the. It's at the, yeah, it's at the end of episode five of the podcast, but we'll find a place to put that on the website also. Okay. We could put it at the end of this episode. Yeah. Maybe that could be a thing. And then they could remember that it's always at the end. There you go. Yeah. Okay. That's a plan. So everybody can get the woohoo currency whenever they want. Awesome. So I saw a meteor shower last night. (sighs) Yeah. Tell me about it. It it was really cool. So I've always been fascinated by astronomy, but especially shooting stars. And yesterday I got this alert on my phone that said there was going to be a, a meteor shower uh, last night and I forgot about it. So I'm, I took my dog out at like, I think it was around 11 mm-hmm. and I, I looked up through the trees and I saw a shooting star. I was like, holy cow, that's freaking awesome. And then I saw another one. And so I went inside and I grabbed my wife and we actually got some blankets and went outside and laid down in the driveway and, and. It was cool, man. It was, I mean, we, we saw dozens of shooting stars last night and it's, it's hard to explain, but like, you know, there's just something about that experience, which I've had before. I've seen them before last night as may have actually been one of the the best experiences I've had, but it kind of makes the world seem so much bigger, but you kind of feel a part of it too. It's really, it's hard for me to explain, but it's definitely a woohoo moment for me. Yeah. Connected to the cosmos. I love it while you're on earth. Totally. Yeah. I love that. That's the, that's the wood energy of the tree and, you know, the tree of, of being connected to the earth and also uh, rooted in the earth and rising up toward the cosmos. So you had that experience. Good for you. Yeah, Yeah. that was cool. Now you're supposed to make a wish, right? Is that the, is that what you're supposed to do when you see a shooting star, make a wish? What do you think? I think that's a good idea. Did you do it? I did. I can't tell you what it is, uh, but, (laughs) but I did. And I, and I actually started running out of wishes because we saw so many. Um, Wow. But, uh, but we'll see, we'll see if they come to fruition. Okay. Well, let us know. We're all invested now. All right. right. Sounds good. 
I think that's a great way to spend your currency is to look at the sky for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that's what you saw. You saw the show. Totally. Mm hmm. Okay. They're, they're all characters, right? The archetypes of the planets and the stars and the asteroids. And, you know, they all, they're always putting on a show for us to learn. So, yeah. And they, and they, I like that you're saying the energy of them is to make a wish. I, I think that they sure put on a show last night. That was cool. First quarter reason for the season. Woohoo! Welcome back to the first quarter pseudo guru. What's going on in the cosmos? We are building up to a Gemini full moon. So we're building up, we're waxing, and it's time to fill up when we're in the waxing stage. It's time to fortify and even eat more. You might feel full sooner. This is the time to fill up as opposed to when the moon is waning. That's a time to let go and detox while we're filling up it's it's to to fortify and this full moon that's shining in gemini it speaks to our curiosity so it, it's in gemini but the sun is in sagittarius and right. they're the polarity right remember that so yeah, cuz they're opposite sides exactly okay so it's the full moon which is shining in gemini is lit by the sagittarius sun that's the yeah. season we're in with the sun. And that elevates, it, it elevates and aims our thinking to, to a higher level. It's, it's I think, a, a fabulous polarity. Now I'm biased because I have a stellium in Gemini. Okay. <laughs> and I think you're going to notice some things when I share Gemini currency with you. Um, so it's connecting the dots, like the high frequency of, of this energy is connecting dots in multiple dimensions it's showing us patterns that we may not have recognized before. And it, it's multidimensional intelligence. Wow. Yeah. So it's, um, it's that excitement of looking at things in a different way and looking at them from many angles and aspects, looking for something new, exploring, and really, really looking, like looking within, looking without, and saying to ourselves, what do I see? What do I see that I haven't seen before? And you can even play a game. Like you can play a game with your, with your kids. What is it that I'm not seeing? What are three things that I just don't see? And they might say, you, you might, you know, you don't notice that um, the dog really wants you to run around more or something like that. Or what am I not seeing? You, you might not see that somebody is sad, or you might not see that a picture is crooked or anything like that, like something that you're not seeing, or you might not see that every time um, I spill something, you yell, you know, something like that. Like, what am I not seeing? Asking those questions. Gemini is all about curiosity. Okay. And yeah. So what can I learn? What must I learn? What is urgent to learn? What must I watch more closely what must I contemplate, correlate? What must I listen to? And I think for a lot of us, me included, uh, I need to listen more. That And that what is that energy that we can't see it? It's subtle, but like, oh, I think I need um, air in my tires. And then you, you, I find out that I need air usually in my right tire, right front. 
And then I think, well, how does that correlate to my life? The right side of my body, the front of my body, what am I overdoing there? <laughs> Why is it mm. deflated there? Do I need to breathe more into my right nostril, the front of my lung? That's how I, I correlate things. So um, those things that are, that those signs that's out there, that's, that's the Gemini currency of, of, all right, looking at the signs and seeing what do they mean and, and that fascination with language. What is, what are these signs and symbols spelling out for us? Like, even as you said, with the meteor, like, what is that spelling out for, for you? What language am I spelling out? So that's the, that's the Gemini currency. And this, uh, this, this full moon is happening when? On the 18th. On the 18th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you might be feeling it. You're feeling the energy of it. It's a, it's a frequency of variety. So like, it's like, you might notice with me with having a stellium, like I'm oftentimes just merrily free associating the thoughts going in four or five different paths simultaneously or more and all, <laughs> and all of them fascinating. And in, in my mind, they're all interconnected and you're like, okay, let's go down one of those paths. Let's stay focused on that one thing. So, um, but that might be the energy. Like you might be feeling that currency of free associating all these different, um, these different ideas coming to you. And it's exciting. It's an exciting energy. It's air. It's but very this is exciting. your time though. This is your time to embrace those different, uh, the, the, the variants and the, you know, the variety. Yes. Cause I have yeah. a lot of Gemini. So this, this just stirs things up and makes it even more fun for me. It's, it's very exciting. It's a challenge to go to sleep because all these things are happening in my mind and looking at it from many angles and aspects. And so what it, it's asking us to do the energy right now is to look for something new explore. So that's the Sagittarius too, is, is exploring and experiencing. So taking the two energies of Gemini, like really looking, looking within, bringing um, awareness to things, bringing a lightness where things are heavy, playing with words, getting, um, doing the research, like finding a new recipe so that, you know, um, we're not always eating the same thing, getting reference books, um, getting tools. It's, it's a mutable sign. So changing, like if something's not working out, like, you're like, well, you know, what I'm having for breakfast just isn't really fueling me, then get a different recipe. Combined with the sun energy of Sagittarius is that experiencing. And so that's why it's a fascinating time right now with now, these two energies. Now you say a fascinating times, but you mentioned, you mentioned the full moon, right? Is on the 18th. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these things that you're, the characteristics of Gemini and Sagittarius and what you should or could be focusing on, how long is this time period? I mean, can I, is this something that we could start doing now? Is this something that you really just want to focus on on the 18th or how does, how does that work from a time stand? I like that question. And that's, you know, that's what Socrates says, right? Isn't that the law? Like ask more questions. Don't I have all the answers? So I don't have all the answers, even though I'm a pseudo guru. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the wind, there's a window of energy of window. Currency. Okay. Yeah. What's yeah. the window and we're in, we're in it now. Okay. But always like we have all the signs within us. We have 12 ribs. We have all the signs correlate with parts of the body. Gemini correlates with the fingers up to the arms, to the lungs. So it's a, it's so, you know, we use our fingers to write, we use our fingers to type and then the lungs with breathing. So it's a, so it's always uh, a great time to see the words that you're spelling out, right? Because the words 
we spell words, words create spells, right? What we manifest, what we say, what we write, how important it is always doing that. That's something every day we can focus on. And then especially, and so during that, now with the Gemini full moon and then Gemini season in the spring are times that we can really amp it up. Okay. So, but now it's, it is a, you know, with, with things being so chaotic, maybe out out there getting reference books just in case like learning how to grow your own food or you know right now like the older books are good with herbs and and cooking reading some of that um knowing how to breathe really well so that your young your lungs are working for you and with you and that's why it's a good idea for us to put the woohoo song out for yeah. everybody to breathe, inhale the woo, exhale the who, using a mantra. So that's that's Gemini right there, getting your words, constructing the words, having a mantra. And this this is a time with a full moon because the full moon is the light of awareness. It's full, and it's a time to re- definitely release any story that's not yours. But what narrative do you want guiding you into the new year? And what mm-hmm. mantras need to be rewritten? Like what mantras are in your head? Starting yeah. to listen to them all, listen to all the voices. I've heard it said that it, you, we have 27 voices. And if you have more than that, that's a concern. But we have 27 voices and perhaps there's one that's our voice. That's our soul talking to us. And some of the others are perhaps different archetypes talking to us or different aspects of ourselves. And what are those mantras? Are they, you can't do it or you're dumb or whatever, or don't do that. Stay safe, you know, just stay on your couch and don't try anything new. See if you're going to rewrite them and amplify them and make them louder. And so like, woo, who is for sure a high frequency, high caliber mantra for your spiritual bank account. And when you're breathing in and in your mind, you're thinking woo. And when you're exhaling and you're thinking who, that's the Gemini, the high frequency of Gemini currency of the spelling out the word, spelling out what your mind's going to do, spelling out what's going to happen in, with your breath. And that permeates through all the cells of your body. So all of your cells can dance and woohoo and be connected. We have 27 voices in our head. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like, you, yeah, a lot of us do. Mm-hmm. 27 mm-hmm. different voices. And then we have usually about three stories ruminating around in there, versions of the same old story, figuring, figure out what that is and you will feel great. Oh, there's that story. <laughs> I just don't want to listen to that story anymore. That narrative. I, I need to create a new story. This is the time to do it right now, but you have to know what it is. What's that story that's bringing you to what's the story that leads to any kind of self-sabotage. We're up against the clock on the first quarter, but can we do a, a show and get a little deeper into these 27 voices one of these days. Sure. Let's do right. it. Okay. Yeah. I want to know yes, more. the different aspects of the mind. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I want to know more. Okay. Right. Yeah. But for now, listen, just listen. That's, that's why it's hard to get quiet. That's why we, we suppress, repress, depress a lot of those with ways of numbing <laughs> or um, distraction so that we're not hearing them. It's very challenging to be quiet and listen to our own, our mind. And, and right. And what do people say a lot? I can't sit still and listen because, well, if you do and you listen, 
then they'll quiet down because then you'll be heard and, and you'll know, well, which voice is actually mine, but we will, I think during, um, Aquarius season, cause it's the, it's the 11th house and with the number 11, which you and I both have a lot of 11s in our, in our blueprint. Yeah. That's when I wanted to work specifically on mantras because, um, that's with the voice. Good. Okay. I'm excited about that. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Second quarter. Woo-wire. We're back. Second quarter. I tell a story. Pseudo guru channels a cosmic force on the woohoo wire. And we asked that cosmic force a question about my story. So I grew up playing a lot of sports uh, before Florida. I'm, I'm originally from Indiana. Basketball was my favorite sport as a kid. And if you're not familiar with Indiana, it's pretty much corn, soybeans, and basketball. I used to tell people it was like watching a Flintstones cartoon. I don't know if they still make that, nowadays, <laughs> but but there were there were always scenes where Fred was running through his house, and it'd be like the same <laughs> background. They'd use it over to be like a couch, a table, and a lamp, and then it'd be the same couch and table and a lamp. It was very lazy on the illustrator's part, but but anyways, I used to tell people that Indiana was very much like that. Uh, instead of those things, you had cornfields, soybean fields, and basketball hoops. That's how big basketball was there. And like most kids, I dreamt of playing in the NBA. And I was on that path until about the age of 12. That's about as far as I got before the dream was over. While some kids were already well over six feet tall by age 12, I topped down in life at 5'7". So my, my NBA dream was pretty much over before I hit high school. But here's the cool thing. I didn't realize it at the time and, and nor did I probably even care. I just really enjoyed playing basketball and I felt a responsibility being from Indiana to be a good player. And as I got into high school, I went to a pretty big public high school in Florida and I wanted to keep playing. And I remember trying out and it was pretty obvious to me and everyone that I was among the least talented. There were, I mean, I, I shouldn't have made the team. Uh, there, there were some guys that, went on to play in college. We had one dude who was like six foot eight, but I kept working hard during tryouts. I, I would shoot baskets until my parents would make me come inside at night. I ran harder, put in more effort than probably anybody else did at these tryouts. And I actually made the team. And looking back, it was something that I'm, I'm really proud of. Now that's about as, as Hollywood as that story gets. I didn't play much. In fact, I scored, I think I scored like four points that entire season. I was probably more of a liability on the court, but I made the team when other guys more talented than I did not. And my coach made it very clear to me. He gave me a shot because I outworked everybody else. I hustled more. I wanted it more. Mm. And he was hoping that it would rub off on the rest of the team. I'm telling you the story, not to wow you with my athletic prowess in high school, <laughs> <laughs> but to draw a parallel to one of my favorite books as a kid, that book was the little engine that could, mm -hmm. I don't have many memories as a young child, but I do remember loving that book. My parents have said the same thing and I'm sure everybody listening, you know, the story by now, but just in case a big train breaks down, carrying a bunch of toys for kids that need to go over this mountain, the broken train asks these bigger trains for help. And none of them want to. 
Then the broken train asks this little train if he can get them over the mountain. And the little train, unsure if it's strong enough, tries it anyways. And then he says the big line, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Now, this book was written, in, I think, like 1920 or 30, maybe even before that. But that line is still popular today. You know, I, I jokingly say it often when I'm doing something difficult. Uh, and I think a lot of other people do as well. But I don't think I was joking when I used that book's message to get me through those basketball tryouts. In fact, I would say that that message is probably one of the main reasons why I was able to get in the right mental state to ultimately make that team. And when I think about it, it's, it's helped me even as an adult to this day. Like I, I often feel like I have to outwork people or try harder. And, and perhaps it's a trait that I was blessed with, but I would have to give some credit to that book. And what are those traits from the book? To me, it's willpower. It's, it's hard work. It's confidence. It's optimism, empathy. And so my question today is, why do some people have those traits and some people do not? Cosmic Liver here. Hey, Cosmic Liver. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Well, I love your question. Everyone has those traits, but some have some of the traits are compressed or suppressed in the liver. Okay. And I see that often with humanity, the traits compressed in the liver. The, your liver is there. What we do is we filter in the light and we filter in the fuel and we filter in the enzymes for equilibrium and we filter in an ever expanding power and force and the rhythm of regeneration and reparation. And perhaps most importantly, we filter in the will to deliver. So in the word deliver is liver. Wow. And in the word liver is live. And that's what we help you do. Wow. I never thought about it like that. Mm -hmm. So those traits you're saying is in everybody, but then mm -hmm. how are some people just lucky or how, how are they able to use uh, those traits when needed? Cause uh, you know, if you going back to the book, there were, you know, some of the bigger trains didn't want to do it, whether they were scared or tired or too busy or whatever, you know, same thing in life. What, like, how can people draw on, on those traits when needed? Well, let's take into account what you said. One of the trains was scared, right? So fear. So what happens when you're, when you're in fear, what do you do? You don't have the mantra. I think I can, I think I can, which is the one that the train that could do it had. Yes. Correct. So I think I can is the, the energy of I can deliver. So is I think I can, I think I can, is that considered a mantra? Yes. Okay. And I, and as I work closely with my colleague, the cosmic lung, that's what we want for you is to have a mantra to help you live your life, the best life that you're meant to live on your quest. And with the lung, you breathe it in and then you share it out on the exhale to have that mantra. And I think I can, I think I can is beautiful. And then it gets brain in there. 
right? Because sometimes brain, silly brain, is, <laughs> is always just, you know, off on some other thoughts. But when you can hone it in and give it a high frequency mantra, like I think I can, I think I can, then you're able to do it. So one of, one of them said was fear, right? So fear, the mantra was, I can't do it, or I'm scared to do it, right? So there's that. And then what was the other train? Well, well so how, hang on. So on the scared train, how does he, let's say you're the scared train. How do you, mm -hmm. how would you overcome that? If you're, if your mantra at the time, and maybe you don't realize it is, I don't think I can, I don't think I can. How can you overcome that? Is this as simple as rewriting that mantra? Rewriting it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Spell it out. Mm -hmm. Spell it out. Rewrite it. Yes. And then you can help with, you know, can help with your liver. It could be that your liver is overtaxed. So, but you know, cause the liver, what we do is we clean your blood. We filter your blood. So we filter in what you need, that light and that regeneration or the center of your will and that intentionality. And if that's being covered up by excess, uh, usually excess sugar, then um, you, it's covered up by sugar and sugar is numbing. So it just numbs right over that willpower. Interesting. Yeah. And there's just too much pollution. So the, what we do as livers, we also take in what's not digestible. So if, so if you're eating anything that's not, that is not meant for human consumption, that can cover it up as well. So you want to make sure you're eating what's meant for human consumption, which would be food, real food. Got it. Well, <laughs> let me ask you this cosmic liver. I enjoy some fine bourbon. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Well, everything's okay. We're not, we're not here as livers. We're here to help you live and help you deliver. Everything can be medicinal or poison. It's your choice, how you work with your mind and your lungs, but making sure that it's not in excess. Okay. So, said. so mm -hmm. maybe, maybe a, a glass every once in a while is okay, but four glasses a night might be a little too much. Well, it depends. So, you know, your liver will detoxify and nourish and replenish for you. And it's all about your blood. It, you look at your fingernails and your toenails. Are they, how are they? The color, like if they're discolored, then that will show you that you're overdoing it. If your eyes are yellow or just not bright, that'll show you that you're over, that you're Interesting. overdoing so it. So you're, I didn't realize that you were, you affected those. Okay. That's good to know. It's good for everybody to know. Yeah. And I, I, I clean your blood. That's what, that's, that's the main thing. We work a lot. We're very magical. I would say we are humbly the most magical organ that you have, you know, like you can cut off parts of us and we'll grow back. Oh, wow. Yeah. But if you overdo it, if you over ever over tax us with, with an already incredible lineup of jobs that we have, we work around the clock, we don't stop, then, then we'll, we'll start to shut down. Yeah. And so, so one of your, so you mentioned the lungs, you, you work pretty close with the cosmic lung, mm -hmm. any other partners up there that, that you are as tight with or tighter? You no, know, my partner is gallbladder. So I'm, okay. I'm the yin to the gallbladders yang and gallbladder gives you, know, you the gall, gall to do things, right? 
the gall to do things. So we work very, very closely. And um, so just looking at your eyes, that would be your vision. If your vision isn't clear, that would be even your vision of how you want to live your life. If you're able to have a clear vision and you're nourished and hydrated and your um, fingernails are looking smooth and your sinews and your body feel smooth and you have you're able to move and, and uh, flow, then whatever you're ingesting is, is fine. But we both, um, you asked about my partner, we govern growth and creativity and newness and individuation. Okay. On a cellular level. So we, we help you keep your emotions and your life force and your blood running smoothly. So the other, the other thing to consider is if you have symptoms of moodiness or rage, or pain, inflammation, you may be doing overdoing it. So and when you say again, when you say overdoing it, you're talking about just putting things in your body that's uh, in excess, let's say maybe food that's not right for you, drinks that aren't right for you, things like that. Well, yes. And usually don't you find that when you're doing that, you have a flare up of anger or frustration and that's why you do it? Uh, maybe. Yeah, so, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought I, about I, it. And that might be the thing. If it's like, just notice that, like, are you doing it when you're angry and frustrated? Cause that's, you know, that's, I hold that for you. I cosmically hold it for you and your liver holds for you anger and frustration. And th that's a strength. Those are strengths, they're fire. And when you have the appropriate channels, you use it to take action. But when you don't have an appropriate channel, then it, then when you're raging around kind of directionless, like the, like howling and irritable, and you can't put your ideas into action, then if you, if you're suppressing that, then it just festers inside of, of us. And that's very dangerous. What would you tell somebody that feels like they're angry all the time or they're depressed or, you know, one of those, um, one of those things where they don't really have, and they're, and they're not using an, an outlet or an avenue to release them. It's just suppressing and it's being taken out on other people. And uh, what tangible things can they do to uh, alleviate that problem? I really appreciate your question. Thank you. They can, well, they can, things that you got, you can all do as humans is inhale through your nose and exhale as you stick out your tongue, that's one thing. So inhaling through the nose, exhale as your tongue sticks out. Mm. And another way is we love when you do this is when you roll your tongue in like a taco and you stick it out and breathe in and out, that's cooling down. So usually when you're in rage, you're overheated, you're inflamed, cooling it down and breathing really, really slowly. The other thing is, consider the, the channels. So we have channels that uh, the anger can go in and out of, and, and you want to make those channels really clear that energy moves in and out of from your big toe, all the way up to the inside of your leg, to your liver, make sure that the, those channels are clear. So perhaps doing some form of exercise to clear, to clear that. Um, and the, one of the things I see humans do that make our livers, oh, the liver is so happy. When we have our liver conventions, they tell us that this is their favorite thing that humans do is standing, roll your upper torso 
counterclockwise in circles. And you can do that even up to 11 minutes a day. You do that 11 minutes in the morning and 11 minutes at night. That's a, that's a fabulous exercise to do for your liver, working with your liver. And that's what we meet about is how can we work with the humans? That's what we want. We want to help you deliver. So just, you don't even need to acknowledge us. We're fine. We don't need to be acknowledged because we're deep inside, you know, your rib cage on the right side. If, but if you can do certain things that just help us along, we, we feel, we feel very recognized and, and appreciated. Wow. All right. Sounds easy mm -hmm. enough. It'll help us. Cause we're the chief of staff, you know, for, for your, your entire organ system and we're really? responsible for, yeah, we're, oh, we're wow. called chief of staff. The other organs call us that. And we're, um, response. Yeah. We detoxify and we nourish, we replenish and we store your blood for you. We actually store your blood. Well, wow, you got a lot going on up there. That's, that's, I had no idea. Uh, what, mm -hmm. what about, what about water? How important is water drinking water? That's very important too. And my, my, um, my colleagues, the kidneys and the bladders really appreciate when you, when you drink very clear, clean, mineral rich, enriched water. Because for me, I have to listen to 800 gallons of blood each Whoa. day, Whoa. 800 gallons. And we listen, that's the secret. We listen to 800 gallons of blood to make sure that what is, what needs to go throughout your body to enrich you, to nourish you is able to do that. And then what we need to filter and clear out that doesn't need to be in your body. So that, so that you have the willpower because the willpower is, is what's underlying your existence. Well, it sounds like you have a dirty and thankless job. We appreciate you. We should, we should tell you, uh, thank you more often. Yeah. If you lavish us with love, we, you'll notice that we, we smile and see if you can feel us smiling. And we have been, um, you know, many, many of the humans have said that we remind them of the dolphins and oh, that, that makes us so happy that we've been compared to dolphins, even though we're reddish Brown, we're, um, very magical. Okay. And mm -hmm. we do, we love, we lovingly keep your blood clean and we do it with love. You know how you can nourish us. Um, just small amounts of sour flavors, like lemon, lemon in your water in the morning. You can nourish us. And then if you could eat food that grow upward, like on strong stems, okay, that would help us too. We're, we're the woods, we're the wood image. We're, we're, um, wood is our element and we're very cosmic, you know, I mean, I'm the cosmic liver, but all the livers are very attuned to the cosmos. Did I just you keep, know that? I, I did not, not until now. And I just keep picturing you jumping out of the ocean and flipping around in the <laughs> and then jumping back down like a dolphin. Well, we do like to kind of play around inside, the, you know, we're hidden, but in your rib cage, but we do like to flip. If you've ever seen us like during a liver transplant, we're flipping around like a dolphin and we smile like a dolphin. We're very friendly livers. Well, I'm sure, you know, my liver, I I'm going to make it a point to try to get my liver to, to smile a little bit later if I can. Your liver is pretty, pretty happy. I, I can sense the frequency of your liver. And I think, um, so if you're just don't make anything that you're consuming bad or wrong and just do it, it, it celebratory, like think of it as medicinal because, you know, alcohol kills all germs, right? Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to celebrate, I think with a glass of red wine mm -hmm. tonight. 
Yeah. So you can, you know, you can ask your liver, what would you like? And just, just keep it in balance, have water with lemon in the morning and, and just keep it in balance and don't make it wrong. Sounds great. Well, thanks yeah. for the informative uh, discussion here. I had no idea that there's so much going on with, with my liver and all the livers around the world and in the cosmos. That was, that was really cool to know. And we're all connected. And you know what else we love when you name your liver? We love that. Do you have a name for your liver? I, I hadn't thought about it until you just asked me. What? Let me ask you this. What are some of the, the, the cooler names that you've heard? Well, I heard one um, by, by a woohooer. Uh, Athena, hers is Liv, which is short for Olivia. I thought that was beautiful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Kira, I think she was on your, um, your podcast that we all listen to up here in the cosmos, of course. And hers is, hers is Larry. Let's see. I was going to go with Larry. Just, you can go with Larry. It just felt right. But, but yeah, you can go with Larry. I mean, do most people go with the same letter alliteration? I think that's what they call it. They, they do the, okay. Alliteration and rhyme are, are magical ways to spell and okay. um, to, to manifest. So you can rhyme with liver as well. Um, you could even call it deliver because um, I, you're here to deliver great things to the world. You know that, right? I believe we all are, are here to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Some, some of them do and some of them lose their way. Yeah, we're not here to, you're not here to suffer. Humans are not here to suffer. You are here to deliver. So let us help you. I love it. Connect with us, connect with your liver. I'm going to celebrate tonight with a glass of red wine and my liver and I are going to talk and I'm going to ask my liver what it wants to be called. There you go. I love that. Um, I can't wait to tell my, um, my livers at the, at the convention. We have our liver convention twice a year, once during Sagittarius season. And then, um, once during Aries season as well, because Aries, you know, Aries, that the energy is ruled by Mars and Mars has a big influence on the liver as well. Okay. Well, awesome. We'll send my best to the, the livers in attendance. And thanks again for being here. Have a safe trip back. Thank you so much. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, <laughs> There's a lot of conventions up there in the cosmos. <laughs> you guys are having like, like meetings every week. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, yeah. That's funny. This show is sponsored by the cosmic liver. It's the organ that helps you deliver. So call upon Cosmic Liver to catch the currency of high vision and direction. Third quarter, the interview. Woohoo! Welcome to third quarter. We're interviewing today two very special people two of what I consider two of my teachers that my go-tos Frankie, my daughter and Emily, my mom. Welcome. Frankie, yeah. Frankie Crawford, Emily Van Cleve, both very uh, intelligent, very, very intelligent, very wise. And so they're part of my counsel when I have uh, some goo 
They bring in the light, the Rue. I like it. And they're both avid, avid readers. You can always find them with a book. And so they also help me choose books often. And so I'm curious to, as Sagittarius season, and my mom is a Sagittarius rising and Frankie is a Gemini sun. So, so we're right in alignment with the cosmos, of course. <laughs> so I have some questions about books and how they draw wisdom from books. So let's start with you, mom. Is there a book that you've read either in childhood or even young adulthood, a significant book that contributed to your core virtues? Well, one of my earliest memories um, just about books, I was probably three years old when my mother took me to the library. And I always remember her telling me stories and reading to me. And that started my love of books and my love of reading. So it's really hard for me to remember when I was that young, there was a series I liked about a little girl um, called the Honey Bunch series. And I don't even know if it's out anymore. And I loved Winnie the Pooh. A favorite aunt gave me a whole series of Winnie the Pooh. Mm. And I even have a book I bought not that long ago. Well, several years. Winnie the Pooh and the Philosophers, tying Winnie the Pooh into philosophical teachings. Um, young adulthood, I was 19, 18, a freshman in college, when I read um, Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged. Mm. And, and I reread them several years ago. I bought Jim, Sudaguru's dad, <laughs> leather copies. And we had some interesting discussions about Ayn Rand. And reading it years later, I still loved both books. I think they have a wonderful message. I love books that deal with um, myth and storytelling and fairies and angels and gods and goddesses, Jungian psychology, and then a realm of fiction. So all over the place. So books that help you gain meaning from life. Yes. Also, yeah. when I was pregnant with my first pregnancy, which is Cheryl, Sudaguru, we both Jim and I would read to her while I was carrying her. We would play music and read and um, Cheryl was born loving books and as was Frankie and her sisters, we continued that as did Cheryl with when she was pregnant. So it's books, yes, books are my friends. I have books all over our house. My partner in life, Jim, has the same love of books. And so the one thing I could spend money on is buying books, pressure <laughs> them. In fact, Cheryl sent us two books that I'm looking forward to reading. I think Frankie read them both, Circa and the Song of Achilles. And Cheryl sent that with love to her dad and me. We look forward to reading those. And then we mm -hmm. have interesting discussions. I, I do have a funny story. We were all in New York and Frankie, I don't remember how old you were, but we went into a bookstore in the city and the girls were told they could get whatever books they want. And Frankie came out with this whole big bag of books. Her body was vibrant. Literally, she was vibrant. <laughs> That's awesome. And we were watching a parade and she sat down in the middle 
of Times Square and started reading. Probably mm -hmm. by the time she went home, all the books in that bag were read before she got on a plane. So mm -hmm. that was one of my favorite memories. Yeah. So books are your currency. They fuel you as well as Frankie. And yeah. So thank you for that. And Frankie, what about you? I think I know, but I'm curious to hear what you have to say about a book that really impacted your life. Yeah. Well, I definitely like what uh, was said about like, you know, books being fueled. Cause I definitely agree with that. Like, I remember, like, I think reading for me started out as being like this competitive thing. We are all the three, me and my sisters were learning how to read and um, like Sarah Jane knew how to read a bit more. And then I wanted to read more than her. So <laughs> that was a competition. But I think like the first book that really like drew me into like the world of reading was definitely like the Harry Potter series. I think when you look at like, you know, different genres out there, especially fiction, like to me, there are two types of authors that come to mind. There's, I think like some write so they can tell a story um, and then others just like tell a story say they, so they can write because it, they love um, kind of the stylistic like impressions there. Um, and I'm definitely drawn to the first one. So I like stories where the author kind of creates an entire world that you're able to dwell into and they kind of take a step back from like the lyrical, like stylistic approach and let yourself fully immerse yourself into that world. And that's definitely what JK Rowling did. You know, she created this entire world of fantasy and after reading Harry Potter, it kind of led me down that road of fantasy, um, you know, with like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, like Wheel of Time. And I like, you know, again, if you have a book that immerses yourself in that world, it kind of lets you bring that world back with you and kind of take those meanings. Um, so definitely would say Harry Potter. Now, do either one of you write as well? You obviously <laughs> read a lot. The reason I ask is a long time ago, I was, I wanted to be a journalist and journalists and authors, I mean, they're always told, you know, if you want to be really good at it, just read a lot and read a lot of good writing, read a lot of good journalists or, or authors. And I was just curious if any of that translated to writing for either of you. Well, as a proud mother and grandmother, both um, Suda Guru and Frankie are wonderful writers. I have kept a journal since I was very young. So I do write. Um, I've been asked to write my story with, with my husband. I have written stories for teaching and running groups, but no. But I'd have to say, um, encouraging, um, you know how creative Cheryl is. And I think she was born rhyming. And um, Frankie is such a talented writer. We all see her as a published author. Actually, I see both of them as published authors. Um, so. Yeah, I definitely write, I mean, I write a bit, but and I, I agree with you, what you said, you know, you, you kind of want to read across a, a wide variety of genres to kind of see what fits and like to find your own voice. Cause if you get too caught up on, on one style, then style. you're dating. Yes. So Frankie, so I'm interested in Harry, Harry Potter. And I remember that like, you didn't want to really know that much about JK Rowling's writing process. Cause Harry Potter was so real to you. You wanted to keep that realness. Mm -hmm. Are there any virtues that you've that you've adapted or that fit in with your personal virtues from the writing, from the story, Dumbledore? For I think just like, like the power of like good friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously like the classic trope of like, you know, love being like the one true greatest power, I think was like a great thing to, to read when I was in like second grade. And, 
you know, not really grasping what that meant. But then as you get older and you like kind of look back on the story as an adult, it kind of speaks to you in a different way, which is great. Yeah, just like love triumphs all. I remember you always had at least one, if not two or three Harry Potter books with you at all times. <laughs> and you would pack your suitcases. So that's something too, right? You pack your suitcases with meaningful things to go on a trip or a sleepover and they were always filled with books and we'd have to remind you that you needed some clothes <laughs> yeah I used I mean I remember I would like look at like our dog Harmony and be like I'm I feel so bad for her because she dogs just have to like sit around all day and they can't read books like <laughs> like boring and miserable um, so what is it that draws you into reading you know we just heard that you could be at a parade and, and instead of watching the parade you'd rather read and I've heard stories about you bringing books to your friend's house and yeah. You know. So what, so what is it? What's it? What's, I mean, how could you, can you explain the draw? Is it, is that possible? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Cause I just had like an argument with my boyfriend about this. Cause we have like <laughs> different approaches to kind of what draws us into reading. So for me, it's, I, I want to be like completely immersed in a book to where in, in into a world where when I stop reading, like, even like my, my mind is like all, like the voice in my head is like altered for a few days because I like half of me kind of is still thinking about that book still exists in that world. Um, so I guess like immersion, just like how, how good the story is. And I think that, you know, it, it depends on like how well like an author can tell a story and how well they like step back and kind of let it unfold as their own. And then where my boyfriend, like we were at the bookstore and I was recommending like all these fiction books. Um, and he was like, held up a copy of like the history of the Mayflower. And he's like, well, I'm going to learn something when I read a book, like fiction's not, like fiction doesn't teach me anything. Like, what's the point? I'm like, well, you're learning like human experience, like people's stories. He's like, but that's fi-. like, he couldn't grasp. He's like, that's fiction. Like, um, so I definitely know like my mindset, maybe my family's mindset is different than kind of what other people look for, but that's, that's what I stick to. And that's kind of what the argument was about. Oh, that makes, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. What about you, mom? Well, I also love stories that, that I get lost in, in as far as fiction. If, if I'm really into a story, I, I could read and, and not barely stop to eat. I don't want to be interrupted and I like it quiet. And actually, I love the solitude of the story and myself. But I also love um, certain nonfiction authors um, and poets who also use story and poetry, um, like John O'Donoghue and uh, Mark Nepo and a woman, uh, Mirabay Starr, who her latest book is Wild Mercy. Through story, they're teaching, and I, I don't get as lost as when it's a fiction. The other genre I like are historical fiction based on truth about World War II and being a World War II baby and remembering that time when I was very young, but the war was almost over. But I, I love stories that also teach through fiction about what happened and so people can learn through fiction. And um, I think it's a wonderful tool in working with other people. Everything's a story. Mm-hmm. I have a book by Byron Katie, Where Would You Be Without Your Story? And that would lead us into the interconnectedness of all of us and uh, not being attached to a story. If we don't like our story, we can rewrite it. And so- Love that you said that. That's, that's the 
currency right now in Sagittarius sun, which that's your rising sign and the, the Gemini moon, the full moon that's coming on the 18th and Frankie's a, a Gemini. So that's, that's the, the currency right now is to rewrite your story and to look at different perspectives. So do you find that, have that ever been the case where you've read a story and uh, there's a character or characters in the story that may have thought differently than you, may have different beliefs or different core values, but you were able to learn something which helped you be more empathetic toward others? Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah? Yeah. Can you think of a book? Well, even going back to uh, Ayn Rand, um, mm -hmm. I had many discussions with your dad about Ayn Rand. He loved those books too, but our core beliefs tend to be more liberal and reading some of her nonfiction, her beliefs were entirely different. And yet from the story I got, from what I learned from her books were how important it is to do what you do with love and to um, to and earn your own way to if if you're not passionate about what you're doing, find what makes your heart sing. Again, we need to listen. That's how we're we need to recognize there is no you and me that we are all connected. Each of us are a little light in the universe, all interconnected and all of our thoughts affect each other. So um, I, I think I shared with Cheryl, one of my favorite stories is Indra's net, recognizing how all these little gems in the net reflect the universe. And Indra released, he was trying to impress the Buddha with these jewels and decorated his palace with the net on the ceiling and on the walls. And when the Buddha came to visit, he was so impressed. And uh, Indra realized he needed to release these jewels and they flew up into the sky. And we only need to look up at the stars and recognize we are all connected. We are all part of the one. There is no you and me. So mm -hmm. we need to be open to hear other points of view. Mm -hmm. How about you, Frankie? Has a book ever... Uh, shown you a, a different way of thinking about something yeah I mean I was honestly I think Atlas Shrugged came to mind too um I also and like really just like any Russian literature where you have like notes from the underground where you have this like crazy bitter man um <laughs> that kind of just like shows you more of human suffering but I think Atlas Shrugged in general like you know as people love to summarize it as like oh Ayn Rand like hates poor people and you have like Tea Party Republicans kind of spouting quotes oh, like out of context um, yeah. from the book. And I think when I first read it, I didn't, I didn't know the kind of association that it had. I kind of just read it at its face value. And then, um, you know, the, the first thing I got from it was that she was able to like have this philosophy and then create an entire world to showcase that philosophy. Like she wrote an entire fiction novel where like some philosophers just write like an 80 page essay. Instead, she like fit a 60 page essay by the main character into like the middle of this fiction work, which I just thought was like, as an author, that was just so praiseworthy. And then I went on to read like her first book, which is We the Living. And you just like, and then you read her biography and you show like she literally escaped like Bolshevik Russia. And she's so, you know, she comes from communist Russia. She's so 
it shows why she's very pro-capitalist. Um, and We the Living was based off of her own experience. And it's about this young girl like trying to escape the Red Army and having like all these, you know, new ideas. And I think you just have to put a book in its context and kind of understand. But it's interesting because that's kind of where you have to like look at the author where like with Harry Potter, you were right. Like I didn't even want to think about the author. To me, it was just like the world J.K. Rowling created was its own. And then now to think like kind of the controversy J.K. Rowling's facing as well, it's, it's a bit interesting to, to try to separate an author from their work or like, should you combine them? It's a kind of an interesting question. So where do you stand on that? How, how are your... I think I'm still figuring it out because I just, yeah. I'm giving opposing views. I'm like, oh, you have to take Atlas Shrugged and, you know, you have to bring it into the context of Ayn Rand's life. But then for me, I'm like, Harry Potter should be its own pristine kind of work. Like, you know, J.K. Rowling shouldn't, shouldn't try to infringe on it uh, so still figuring that one out makes sense and that goes throughout i mean so many different uh methodologies i mean even yoga teachers right they've been called out for certain behaviors and but what do you do with the teachings that have come through them like a, like a download through their human software system um and you know that's that's an it's a very interesting question how do you each of you go about choosing a book for those that are listening and and want to immerse themselves in a book particularly at this time how how do you go about choosing a book well i always read book reviews and mm. one of my favorite places is the library but i've become lazy and choose to buy my books because i want to keep them mm -hmm. sometimes books are recommended um, i have favorite authors so when they have a new book that comes out I, I want to go back to something Frankie said, though. Um, I had a mentor years ago, someone I worked for, and he always, he said, always research the author, their lives, especially not necessarily with fiction, but authors who are writing books on relationship or life or the universe, just read about them and see where they're coming from. But then we get back to letting go of judgment and when a book resonates and we get lost in a story or it teaches us something, don't judge. Hmm. So I have, I have my favorite authors. And um, I, like I said, I love when it deals with the mystery of life, when they bring in the spiritual or the um, esoteric in some way or um, other worlds or even time travel. I love books about time travel. Because there really is no past, present, and future. It's all happening. So I always find that fascinating. So that's how you choose a book. Okay, that, I like that. Frankie, what about you? Sometimes I'm like, I go through phases. Uh, sometimes I'm like super picky when I'm looking for a book. And it like I love to go to like small bookstores, which they're dying out. Um, thanks to Jeff Bezos. But I love to go to small bookstores where they have like staff recommendations, like written on little note cards um, mm -hmm. and I'll just pick up like any book um, if it has like a handwritten recommendation from a staffer. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll I love getting recommendations from friends um, because it, then it becomes more of like a community and you can like mm -hmm. text them when you get to like a great part of a book and they're kind of ingrained in your process too. Uh, so that's great as well. Uh, but yeah, I have a hard time sometimes. Like I remember even after Harry Potter, I mm. was like so upset for like a year because I couldn't mm -hmm. find a book 
we had to have an intervention. We took you to the library and we told the librarian that she can't read it. She would, I remember you would, you would try to read a book and then you would cry because it just didn't have the same currency. Like you weren't getting any nutrients from it. And so we had to take you to this fabulous library at Toko Hills. And she had a folder for kids who will only read Harry Potter. I think that's the name of the folder. And she recommended some books for you. And that's what got you on your way. And then soon, like when I think fourth grade was when Little Shop of Stories opened this fantastic bookstore. And you and I were in that book club. And so we got exposed to all kinds of books. And and then you always loved the library as well. And then you and and Nama, you too share books too, right? Ones that you think each other will like. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. Also, like sometimes if I'm stuck in a, a certain genre, like obviously when I was in second grade, I didn't, you know, based on my reading level, I, I didn't have that many things to choose from. But even now, if I'm like, I just read it, you know, an amazing like science fiction book like Dune and I don't want to, I don't want to look in that same genre. I'll just like completely switch um, and, you know, try to try to find another book. So I'm not just like sitting there comparing to like great works. Mm. When you read a book and they make a movie about it, do you see the movie? Yeah, I do because I'm very critical, but I like to compare <laughs> the image in my head of against like what they kind of thought it would be. But and I usually. Yeah, almost everybody always says the movie was good, but it wasn't as good as the book. Have you ever seen a movie that at least was on par with the book? I can't think of any offhand. I can. There was usually the book is so much better, and I'm very disappointed because I have an image of the characters and sure. I don't like who they picked or what they've left right. out or how they rewrote. The one I actually saw the movie, we own the movie. We still have we still have VHS player and a DVD player where I live with someone who doesn't get rid of anything. That's why we're together. Um, he doesn't get rid of anything. So um, English Patient, which was one of my favorite, favorite movies, The English Patient. And uh, the book was nothing like the movie. I was what very was, that was, who was the main actor in that movie? Uh, Ray Fiennes. And okay. Okay. Great. Oh, I was in love with him. I, and he's looking back and telling this story. He was a mapographer where he, and, and how his life, how he got caught up in this war that he wasn't even part of. He was trying to do his job, but it, it was a beautiful love story. And the cinematography was so beautiful. And I was so disappointed in the book, but that's the one I could think of. Another book I loved, I know it's, again, now everything is being criticized, but I loved Gone with the Wind. And I remember um, my husband gave a copy to the girls because it's one of his favorites. And the movie did not disappoint. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it as entertainment and stop looking at what is politically correct. Or, sure, uh, sure. Yeah. If you think of the time the movie came out, um, it's one of my very favorites. Frankie? My main theory, like there's been a couple, I think if a book has like a huge or like a large amount of action scenes, then I think a movie often like adds, you know, cause I think a movie portrays action scenes often like way better than a book can just because you need those like live action shots. So like, I think Lord of the Rings did a great job when you mm -hmm. like, especially in like Return of the King, when you ha had those large battle scenes, it's so much easier to visualize it takes a minute to do a scene that it would take 
like 20 pages to write out. So I'll often like be open to watching an action movie. And I, I think it often equates to the book. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other ones where I've been like pleasantly surprised, but they never, they never do like the characterization that well. And they always sure. cut out like one thing that you really wanted them to keep, uh, keep in the movie. Did a book ever jump out at you? Like, have you ever been to a library or bookstore and there was a book that wanted to be read by you? I actually had, there was a little bookstore and I agree with Frankie. I just love these little bookstores that had been a dream to open a bookstore where children can come and write stories and we'd have used books and we'd serve, have little tea parties and sandwiches. And, and this was in uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. There was a little bookstore and a book fell on my head and it was the first <laughs> book written by um, Jane Roberts, Seth Speaks. Mm. And have all her books and um, the books were channeled through this Seth and um, the teachings of Seth and it opened up the mystery the world of the mystics and in a different way and I love the Seth books and yeah that one literally jumped out at you it literally fell I love it. <laughs> Frankie what about you I don't think I ever have but maybe I'll walk around bookstores more so and they may not fall on you but they may be like brighter or they kind of pulled out a little bit and you start to notice it so see if a book is like read me read me read me well thank you both for sharing your wisdom in literacy and i think you've probably influenced people to now immerse themselves in a book to get some higher wisdom higher learning absolutely emily frankie thank you very much thank you Fourth quarter, this week's top four list. Woohoo! Okay, welcome back to the fourth quarter. Cheryl, what do you have for us today on the top four list? In honor of the Gemini full moon, top four ways to increase your multi dimensional intelligence. Multi dimensional intelligence. Okay, what, what does that mean exactly? That means to be intelligent in different dimensions, not just one dimension of yourself. So it could be like intellectually, it could be here, emotional intelligence. That's a, that's a huge topic these days. Mm -hmm. And, and what I would think maybe, you know, super important. What, what are, what's another example of spiritual intelligence, spiritual intelligence. Okay. Cosmic intelligence, cosmic intelligence. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Or, right, organ. Cool. Yeah. Like or understanding organ intelligence. <laughs> wow. All right. So theoretically, there could be infinite number of ways that you could be intelligent. Right. Okay. Right. And so we're talking about multi-dimensional intelligence. Dimensional intelligence. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that. I'm going to write that down. Okay. What do we have? Okay. What do you have for us? All right. Number four, look for patterns. Really, really look. Look at your own patterns. Look at patterns in the world. All right. So give me, what's an example of a pattern or, or two, just so we can fully understand this. All right, let me think of one of mine. When I get really excited and I'm about to learn something new that uh, fuels one of my hypotheses, I need something to eat that looks like a brain. So like walnuts or popcorn. Huh. I need to chew. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So patterns can be, all right. So if I, 
we, you know, I use my, we talk about our, our kids a lot. So if I see, if my kid does something, right, my child does something and maybe it stirs up some like frustration in me, like at least you're just saying like, recognize, recognize the patterns, right? Well, recognize first what happened right before your child acted, acted okay. out. What was the, what was, see if you can notice the pattern right before the explosion, what was happening? The pattern, the not in my head, but in what with my child, what they were doing. Okay. Or both. Yeah. And then also with you, like when you, what, what gets you, because often like, what is it that you will charge you up? Does it bring up something or do you have a fear of, what do you have a fear of that your parents are going to walk in and see your child on the floor screaming that your neighbors are going to think that you're not the greatest parent, you know, <laughs> whatever. Do, the, that's right? a, that's a real fear, by the way. Yeah, of course. Um, if my, kid, are, if my what, kid loses it. I, you know, sometimes I walk out the front door and just, you know, is anybody out here? Cause that, if they yeah. heard that, holy cow. Right. So we all have these silly fears, right? Like, you know, and then, then you can kind of laugh about that. Right. Like, Oh, yeah. my three-year-old, is screaming they're gonna you know what i mean like they're right. gonna think actually oh well the three-year-old is screaming but in our mind oh they're thinking that we don't we have no like no that control. guy has no idea how to parent his child okay yeah uh -huh. all right exactly so looking for the patterns of why it bothers you so much got mm -hmm. it okay number yeah. two i mean sorry number three number three is ask better questions and that's that's the whole key too right like what socrates said that ask more questions don't have all the answers so keep asking and maybe like for instance something that is going on with your child that's not working but you think it's the answer because everybody else says we'll do this thing you know they act out they so-called act out put them in in time out well maybe that doesn't work for your particular child and maybe you know he's act when a child acts out that means there there's something it's usually with energy that there's something just not right. They're, they're not feeling um, grounded or they're not feeling centered. They're not feeling in alignment. Something's taken them off. So they show you, which is very, very intelligent. Actually, we've all learned how to suppress that. But if we all did that, so we all knew, you know, oh, wow, that person is, is acting out because of uh, they're get, they're get charged up about something. Yeah. And it's really, really interesting, especially in, in this season of Sagittarius where with the liver, like, okay, it's, it's, it's affecting, it's affecting my liver. It's charging up my anger. I feel offended or disrespected. Like, what is that? You know? So I'm not able to deliver my purpose in life and, you know, like look at it that way too. Like, what is, what is your child's purpose here? What, why, why do you think he's here? Maybe he'll know, maybe it'll take a couple of years from to but know, just, like, just yeah. keep asking, keep asking those questions and, and being curious. Keep asking, like, see, what does he, what does he love to do when no one's telling him what to do? And then see if you can fuel that as yeah. much as possible. Yeah. He loves to, you know, adventure or to laugh or to do silly things. And as much as you can let Got him it. do that. Yeah. Okay. So looking for patterns. Number two, spell out a personal mantra. So you mentioned, I think I can, I think I can. That's still, as an adult, a fabulous mantra, right? What's what's Nike's mantra? Uh, just do it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's it's their slogan. So that could be a mantra, I mm -hmm. assume is what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, Brandon, your own personal slogan. 
you don't have to call it a mantra, call it your slogan or uh, like your that. spell, your spell, because you're spelling it out. Have one. This is the season to have one and make it really loud inside your head so that anything that's not your voice, old authority figures that you haven't cut the cords of, their programming gets diminished. Is a spell, is that the same as a mantra? Mm -hmm. I think okay. it's the same. Yeah, because okay. you're casting a spell. You're casting a new way to think about things. I mean, it just has like a like a kind of like a witch kind of, mm -hmm. you know, which which kind of gets like witchy, but mantra doesn't have a witchy kind of you know feel to it. So I was just curious. Yeah. So use the word that resonates with you. Like witchy, wizardy can be really fun, magical. I, I would say even magical yeah. would be spelling it out, wizards, and that's what that's what spelling means, right? You're yeah. spelling out what you want to happen. Yeah, right. I never, you know, I've never made that connection until you said it a minute ago. <laughs> yeah. So spell out your personal mantra. And then number one would be breathe with your mantra. So inhale and your mind is going, I think I can exhale. I think I can, or if it's woohoo, you want to bring more woohoo into you inhale. And your mind is saying woo. And as you're exhaling, your mind is saying who and getting that rhythm, that pat, that rhythm with your breath, that new patterning is, is, uh, very potent during these times. I love it. Do you mind just running through those four real quick again, just cause we kind of got deep into them. I like that term. Do you mind? Right. Isn't that a cool term? Do you mind like your mind? Isn't that cool? Like, <laughs> do you mind? <laughs> okay. I never thought about that either. So it's interesting that we say, no, I don't mind, but we're still using our minds. That's interesting. Number four, look for patterns. Number three, ask better questions. Number two, spell out a personal mantra, a personal spell, a personal slogan. Number one, breathe with your mantra, with your spell, with your slogan. I love those. That's awesome. Okay. Well, thank you once again. And we'll, uh, we're going to put the woohoo song at the end of this recording too. So if mm -hmm. you haven't heard it, uh, you also are going to do a little quick little lesson on how to breathe during the song, which if you haven't done it yet, you got to try it. It's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And breathe with it. And then you can join all the woohooers as we breathe the woo in and the who out to share and bring more woohoo, super spread the woohoo throughout the universe, throughout the cosmos. Cause, and they're doing it too, right? Didn't we hear that um, the liver, the liver loves the mantra woohoo. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So the cosmic organs and the archetypes, they're joining in as well. It's a whole symphony, cosmic symphony of woohoo. Okay, <laughs> thanks. We'll see you again next week. Okay. Woohoo. The cosmic premiere of Felicia Ruth's Woohoo. Place your hands together, close your eyes, roll them up to the space between your brows. And when you hear the woo, breathe in. When you hear the who, breathe out. Bring the rhythmic currency of woohoo into all the cells of your body as you breathe in and out. Woohoo.